Uh, good morning, everyone, and I would like to welcome you to the presence of the Lord today. I believe that you are in for an encounter with heaven. Heaven wants to descend upon the earth. Heaven wants to interact with the earth. And we're going to have the days of heavens on earth in the days to come. I'm not saying the same thing regarding the world or concerning the world uh, because it's going to get much more difficult in the world. It's going to get harder for the world. But for the believer, those who are working with God, he will distinguish you in the midst of the circumstances and the situations that are happening all around us. We had the news over the weekend that another virus had again turned around and then appeared from nowhere and they've named it Omicron. I told you that at the end of the day, by the time we say yes, we are, we are, things are going on, something else will just pop up. Remember, they said, get the vaccine. Vaccine will be the answer to all the problems. The vaccine came, then they said the thing had mutated again and then there was now an alpha variant, and then a delta variant. Now it is now an Omicron variant. What other variant are we going to again hear that the thing is, is, is turning into? Let me give you the name for it. It's called the Satan. It's called devil manifesting in all this Omicron, Delta, Alpha, and, uh, and uh, but thank God that we belong to Omega. Omicron cannot overcome Omega. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want to welcome you. Let not your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. In the name of Jesus Christ. The church is stirred up. We are stirred up. And by the grace of God, no Omicron will invade our territory. No Omicron will invade our city. In Jesus' name. Amen. In the light. That is why I want to encourage you. Be our prayers and be consistent. Oh yes, because sometimes when you don't show up, when people are asked, why are you not there? No valid excuse. Then if you are not turning up, you are positioning yourself for some of these circumstances to invade your life. But when you turn up, when you show up, when you are part of it, when you are part of the prayer movement, and the church is marching on, no gate of hell can prevail against the church. In Jesus' name. So tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. be there. And this week, my good friend will be joining us, Pastor Brian. He will be joining us in prayers. You'll be there. And let's see what God will do, uh, what God will say to us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, somebody said it's not easy. Why don't you make the sacrifice? Sacrifice will attract presence and power into your life. If you want the blessing, if you want to go to the next level, if you want to be a partaker of what God has been saying to us, oh, you just be ready to make the sacrifice and you see what God will do with you, in you, through you, and for you in the days to come. It is so clear in my spirit. We are in a totally different season. Amen. We're in a totally different season. We've stepped into it, and I had an encounter overnight that again confirmed to me that, wow, 
Something is happening in the spirit realm over our lives. The enemy has been smashed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are walking free. Oh yes, we are walking free. This is a destiny train. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. In that encounter, maybe I will share it with you right now. I held the I held on my with my hand the head the, the, the head of a serpent. I held that head, the head of a serpent, and I held it so strongly. And it, the thing was struggling. But I held the head. You know, you don't hold the serpent at the tail. You hold it by the head, and I held it. I held it so strongly. And I was pressing it. I, was, I held it for, for quite a while. The thing was struggling. The thing was struggling. Eventually, after a while, the thing, was, the thing became powder. It became, the thing was totally grounded and it became powder. And I looked at it. I said, wow, what has happened? The forces of heaven descended and the enemy was vanquished in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will see what will happen in the days to come. You will see the abundance. You will see the flow of finances. You will see the healings. You will see the victories. Because the head of the enemy has been smashed and we're walking free, totally free. I woke up in the morning and it was 5.14 a.m. And I stood up and I joined another meeting almost immediately after. And I continued until about 7.30 to eight this morning before I started praying again. I'm praying again, getting ready for this morning. Today is a day of encounter. We have stepped into it. We are marching forward. No stop. No force of hell can stop us. In Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord, the head of the serpent has been smashed. The head of the serpent has been broken. I held it until I crushed it. Hallelujah. You'll be there tomorrow morning and we'll continue. Praise the name of the Lord. Like one of us will say, we're not mocking around at all. We're serious about this. Amen. Praise the name of because the difference between your today and your next year. The difference between your today and for those of us with the capacity and strength, with the faith to go for it, the difference between your today and the next 10 years, the next decade, will be night and day. In Jesus' name. Amen. So you'll be there 5 a.m. tomorrow morning and I will see you by the grace of God. We're trusting God to return to sanctuary worship next Sunday. When discussion with uh, the, the council, uh, because there's a lot of protocols involved when you're returning. How do you monitor this? How do you monitor that? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. When discussion with them, and by the grace of God, we hope that things will be resolved and we'll be fully back uh, on Sunday, first Sunday in December. Uh, that's what we are trusting God for. So let's join together in prayers as we continue. And the following Sunday will be our annual Thanksgiving service. Annual Thanksgiving service. We don't take that lightly in this church. We must return once every year. We thank God all the time. We're giving God praise all the time. But once a year, as a community of believers, we'll return to thank and to give. Hello, to thank and what? And to give. It's called thanksgiving. There's no true thanksgiving without giving. That's why it's called thanks. You've come with thanks to express gratitude. And then you show it also with your giving. Amen. 
So you are thanking him for how he has kept you. You are thanking him for how he has kept your children. I remain totally grateful to God. As I stand before you this morning, that we did not bury anybody in our church this year. We did not bury any child. We did not bury any adult. We did not bury any old person. God kept us all. Amen. So we must return and say what? Thank you. We must return and say what? Father, we are thankful. So 12th of December, put it down. Don't miss it. Don't stay away. You'll be there. That is one of the reasons why God has been keeping us. Because we will always return to say thank you. Because a heart of gratitude will increase your capacity to what? To receive from God. You know, <laughs> a heart of gratitude will always increase your capacity to receive from God. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So that is why we are returning. Oh, on 12th of December, you'll be ready. Come with your, with your giving, a good giving to God. Come with a heart of thanksgiving. And you see what God will continue to do with us. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you because an attitude of gratitude will increase our capacity to receive. That is why, first and foremost, I'm saying thank you. Thank you for how you have kept us. It is almost, it is amazing that we are at the very last Sunday in the month of November, about to cross into December. Wow. 11 months practically gone. Thank you for how you've kept us. In spite of the lockdowns, in spite of the various variants and manifestations of, of this COVID-19, in spite of it all, you kept your people. You kept us. Lord, Lord, what shall we say to these things? How can we express our gratitude? If we have a million thongs, there's are still not enough to say thank you. That throughout this period, I did not for once come and say, oh, so-and-so is on ventilation in, in, in the hospital. I did not come to say, please, let's pray. So-and-so is about to pass. No, we, did, you did, we did not even allow that. You kept everyone. You kept us. Even sometimes when there's been primary contact with a COVID-positive person. But Father, they will go and do the test, it will return negative. They will go and do the test, it will return negative. Why should we not be thankful? Why should we not say thank you? Therefore, oh Lord, we're not even waiting for the 12th of December. Even from now on, we're saying thank you. We're saying thank you for how you kept us. Thank you for how you've been watching over us. Thank you for how you've been providing for us. Thank you for your mercy over our life. And thank you, Father, for that wonderful gift. Oh, Lord, my God of our new church building. Thank you so much because you've done it. Thank you because it is concluded. Thank you because it is finished. Thank you because you are arising and having mercy upon Zion. For the time to favor her. The time to favor her. Yes, the time to, for Zion to walk in supernatural favor. 
to walk in unusual favor, to walk in outstanding favor. The time has come. Father, we give you glory, honor, and adoration, Lord. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for utterance. Thank you for spirit-energized communication that communicates the heart of the Father to his children. We give you glory, honor, and adoration once again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This morning, I will continue again in what we've been looking at for the past two weeks. This is our third week and part three of contending earnestly for the faith which was delivered to the saints. So contending earnestly for the faith. And today, I'll be looking at identifying faith inhibitors. Identifying faith inhibitors. Let's go to the book of Jude, chapter number one, from verse number one. Jude, chapter one, from verse number one. Jude has only one chapter. So we'll read three verses, the first three verses of the book of Jude. It reads, and I quote, Jude, a born servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, the two of them, have taught us, have shared this with us earlier. The two of them were half-brothers of Jesus Christ. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified, meaning separated by God, the Father preserved in Jesus Christ. How can COVID-19 hit someone that is being preserved by Jesus Christ? <laughs> Praise God. Preserved in Jesus Christ. Verse number two, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Verse number three. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend honestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. I want us to note those two words, contend and honestly. He said, beloved, I was very diligent to write to you. I was going to write to you about our common salvation. But I found it necessary, prompted by the Holy Spirit, that look, there's things that you need to address here. He said, then I found myself writing to you to contend earnestly for the faith which was, for, which was once for all delivered to the saints. I'll be reading the same scriptures from the TPT version, the TPT version of the Bible. And you can open to it and read with me if you have it on, if you're there. Verse number one, from Judah. Judah is the Greek word for Jude. Judah, in fact, Jude actually means Judah. Judah, from Judah, a loving servant of Jesus, the anointed one, and brother of Jacob. I'm writing to the chosen ones who are wrapped in the love of Father, or Father God, kept and guarded for Jesus the Messiah. Oh, if you belong to Christ, you are being kept and you are being guarded by the angels of God, by heaven and being preserved by the Lord Jesus Christ. So guarded and kept for Jesus the Messiah. May God's mercy and peace and love cascade over you. Verse 3. Dearly loved friend, I was fully intending to write to you about our amazing salvation. Amazing salvation. Oh my. What is salvation? 
The word salvation does not just mean to get born again. The word salvation is all-encompassing. Go and do a study of that word. The word means, is the Greek word that, says that, that, that is called sozo, S-O-Z-Zero, S-O-Z-O. And it means what? It means deliverance. It means salvation. It means abundance. It means provision. It's all-encompassing. No wonder Joe referred to it as the amazing salvation. That we're not just delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his own dear son. Oh yes, he's delivered us, he's transferred us to walk in abundance. No wonder he spoke to us on Friday, releasing us to step into overflow of abundance. Oh, it's part of your inheritance as a child of God. Abundance in Christ. Oh, prosperity in him. Deliverance from sin. Deliverance from sickness. Deliverance from disease. All of these are what belongs to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So dearly loved friend, I was fully intending to write to you about our amazing salvation we all participate in, but felt the need instead to challenge you to vigorously defend, vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. For God, through the apostles, has once for all entrusted this truth to his holy believers. What does the word contend mean? I've looked at this before. But again, we'll look further this morning. What does the word content mean? According to the Webster 1828 Dictionary, you know, we've gone to the, to the, to the core of the matter. Merriam Webster 1828 Dictionary, which was actually written based on scriptures. The word content means to strive or to strive against. To strive or to strive against. To struggle or to wrestle in opposition to. To wrestle in opposition to. Number two, it means to strive or to use earnest efforts to obtain or to defend or to preserve. To use earnest effort to what? To obtain, to defend or to preserve. It means to dispute earnestly, to strive. It means to reprove sharply. It means to convince and to reclaim. Amen. It means to strive in opposition to. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can you see that? It means to, to, to strive against. It means to reclaim. It means to stand in opposition. It means to wrestle. It means to push back. To push back. It means to convince. You know, it means to, to wrestle. That's the meaning of the word contend. It now says contend honestly. That word, again, brings some things into focus. Because it says content. Content itself is active enough. Content does not mean to be passive. It means to be active. But then to add the word honest means to be active. What? To be actively active. Amen. To be actively active. Not passive. Faith is not passive. Our faith is not passive. We have not been called to be passive believers. We've been called to be honest, active believers. That whatsoever you believe in, you are actively engaged with it. 
It's not supposed to be something that you consider. It's not supposed to be something that you, 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 know, you, you deal with as an afterthought or something that, okay, when we don't have anything else to do, let, let's look at this faith business. No, 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 no. It must be a priority to you because God wants you to be his priority. He wants to make your faith, his faith in your life a priority. And when you do that, you become his priority. When you make your faith secondary or something that is an afterthought, then you want him to also to make you an afterthought. Because when you make him your priority, he makes you his priority. So he said, content earnestly. What does the word earnest mean? Let me take you to the same dictionary. Merriam-Webster 1828 dictionary. You know those fat ones, those big ones. The word earnestly means what? To be in agony. You know, to be importunate, to be eager with real heart desire. It means to be zealous. It means to be importunate. It means to eagerly do, to eagerly engage. It means to do it with real heart desire. So it's not something that you do uh, like desically, or not something that you do as an afterthought, not something that you, and in the same dictionary, Look at, look at the example that the dictionary now gave. Luke 22, verse, 24, verse 44. Luke 22, verse 44. Because this dictionary was you know, written based on scriptures, 1828. Because at that time, faith was still quite <laughs> not like today, that the enemy seems to have succeeded in court. But don't, don't, don't forget, the word content means to reclaim. So we are reclaiming every gown that the enemy has stolen from the church. Amen. Luke twenty-two forty-four. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That was Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Because what started in the garden must end in the garden. What began in the garden of Eden must be concluded in the garden of Gethsemane. Amen. He prayed with all agony. He prayed with all, with all earnestness. He, he was earnest in his prayer. Then, and even the sweat that was coming out of his body were like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Amen. To be honest means to fix with attention and with eagerness. To fix your faith to something or on, on something with attention and eagerness. You're, you're honest about it. You're, you're, you're eager about it. You're, you're not like a desical about it. You're not taking things for granted. No, you're totally, you're totally sold out, totally committed, totally dedicated to it. That is the way God wants us to handle our faith. Amen. Typically says, vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. Why do we have to contend? Why is it necessary to contend today? Why did Jude write to the church at that time to contend? Because you contend for something that is what? Precious. You contend for something that is what? Important. You contend for something that is valuable. You contend for something that is precious, important, and valuable, but it's about to be what? To be lost. Is about to be taken away or about to be stolen. Look at what is happening today. Can I submit to you? Can I submit to you that the reason why you have a lot of those things 
happening in our society today is because the church has not taken her place in the scheme of things. It's because the church is not, def- is not rising up to take her place and to defend the cities and the nations. And because there's no vacuum in the spirit, the enemy has taken what? Has taken over. And is not the world ruling and reigning. But that was not the plan of God from the beginning. We'll get there. Because it's important that we start to identify what are these faith inhibitors. Because you can't contend effectively if you lack the knowledge of what exactly is happening. If all you see is in the natural, if all you see is, for example, Daniel Andrews, if all you see are the problems all around you without recognizing that wait a minute, what could be happening here? What is the real cause of this? You'll not be able to effectively contend. You'll not be able to effectively take a stand. You'll not be able to effectively push back. You'll not be able to effectively wrestle. You'll not be able to effectively overcome and obtain the victory that God wants to give us. Amen. Praise God. Hosea chapter 4, verse number 6. What does it say? Hosea 4, verse number 6. Reads and I quote. Hosea 4, it said, my people. Look at it. My people. My people. The word the M there is capital, not small. So these are referring to God's people. Not just the people on the streets. Not those who do not know. Those who are out of the church. He said, my people are what? Destroyed for lack of knowledge. Destroyed for lack of knowledge. They were not destroyed because of lack of finances. They were not destroyed. He said, they are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not lack of finances. Not lack of connection. Oh, if you can just be connected to the powers that be. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they are destroyed not for lack of connection, not for lack of finances, not for lack of word, not for lack of resources, except for lack of knowledge. Because accurate knowledge will produce all those things. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And in this particular case, he's talking about revealed knowledge. He said, because you have rejected knowledge, meaning that they were given the opportunity to receive the knowledge. He said, but you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Meaning that the faith that you have, your work with God is what? Is transgenerational. Whatever you do with him, for him, whatever you do in faith, whatever you do regarding his kingdom, he said, I will reward you, not just you alone, but even your children. Even your children. Can I add this? Even your children's children. Can I show you Genesis 26? Because it's so important. You know, we think, oh yeah, it's just about me. It's not just about you. Whatever you do, whatever you don't do, praise the name of the Lord. I said, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Whatever, whatever. I I was was in a meeting this morning, and uh, I'm talking about 
people from South Africa, people from everywhere, the UK, the US, Canada, and the rest of it like that. And, and I was part of it, uh, of that meeting, and they did not even tell me. They just, they, they called me yesterday and was saying, will you be able to be there? And I said, okay, I will, I will make all the effort, and, and knowing that it was even late, but I said I'll make all the effort. I was pleasantly surprised that by the time the meeting was running out, who did they ask to round up the meeting? My daughter. And they didn't ask me, they didn't tell me. I was just pleasantly surprised that they called on her to come and round up the meeting and thank God. Thank God for the way she prayed. Thank God for the way she rounded it off. And she sent me a text after I said, Dad, good morning to see you there. And I replied, I said, that was very, very powerful prayer. And she returned, she said, thank you for the training that you've given to us. Oh, wow. I was so glad. I was so glad. And international, people from everywhere, they say, come, you'll be the one to round off. You'll be the one to round off. Because whatever you do will impart on your what? Your generation. Invest. Put the right, you know, give your priority to the right things. Let me tell you, you know, things, they're good. We thank God for them. But invest in things that will endure for generations. There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. And for and bless you, for to you and your descendants, look at it, dwell in this land and I will be with you. And what? Bless you, for to you, not just to you, and your descendants, I give all these lands. I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father, and I will make your descendants multiply. He wasn't just talking to Isaac alone. Look at it. I was talking to Isaac, was saying, your descendants, your descendants. Your descendants, your descendants, I will multiply them as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Verse number five. Because Abraham did what? Because Abraham did what? Why will God do all of that for Isaac? Because Abraham obeyed his voice and kept his charge, and kept his commandments, and kept his statutes, and kept his laws. I call it a five-star generation. <laughs> five-star generation. There's three-star uh, accommodation hotel. There's four-star. But there's something called five-star reserved for the very best. What was God telling Abraham? I'm going to reserve the very best for your generation because your, your father Abraham obeyed my voice. Why wouldn't I be glad? Why wouldn't I be totally committed in obeying his voice? Why wouldn't I be totally committed? Because I know that at the end of the day, when the dust settled, it will not only affect or impact me, but even my generation. That's why I will obey his voice. I will keep his charge. I will keep his commandment. I will keep his statutes and I'll keep his laws. Amen. Because Abraham obeyed me. Obeyed me. So my people paid for lack of knowledge. Because you have done this, because you've rejected it, it said it will also affect your generation. But they thank God that when we obey, it will also impact on our generation too. Amen. 
praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. There are three main areas that the believer must be ready to contend with in his life. I'll call them faith inhibitors. Because I've called this message, entitled it, Identify Faith Inhibitors. Because when you don't know, how do you contend? When you lack understanding, how do you fight back? How do you resist? How do you push back? And that is why we want to start to identify key faith inhibitors. What exactly is an inhibitor? Again, I went to my very good dictionary. Miriam Webster, 1828. Remember? Written, founded on scriptures. Written based on scriptures. Say, an inhibitor is that which inhibits. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Inhibits. The word inhibit means what? To restrain. To hinder. To check. To repress. To forbid. To prohibit and to in word, to interdict. I'll repeat. The word inhibit means to restrain, to hinder, to check, to repress, to forbid, to prohibit, and to interdict. So, what exactly are the things that have been what restraining us from moving to the next level? What are those things? That has been hindering us. Or who are those? That has been hindering us. That has been checking up or checkmating our progress. That you want to go forward. You've heard the word. Like we've heard the word many times. Like you heard the word on Friday. Stepping into overflow of abundance. I don't know if you missed that day. I just ask God for mercy over your life. I just ask God for mercy. If you're listening and you are not there because of one reason or the other, well, the Lord will have mercy. What is it that has been restraining us, hindering us, checkmating our progress? You want to take a step forward. You want to leap. You have the word of God as you're hearing this morning, as you had last week Sunday, as you had throughout the week, as we've been hearing for the past months, and you say, yes, I want to move into it, but you find something pulling you back. Instead of making the progress, you take two steps forward, five steps backward. You take three steps forward, six steps backward. You take four steps forward, seven steps backward. Enough is enough. I say enough is enough. We need to start to identify and then I will take you, by the time we look at all those three key faith inhibitors, then I will show you how to what? Overcome them. But today, let's look at the first one. What exactly is the first one? I'll take you to the book of beginnings. Genesis chapter number one. Genesis 21, I mean verse number one from verse number 26. The very beginning. Of creation, the very first chapter in the Bible, what I'll call God's mission statement to man. At the, this is the very beginning of creation when man was created. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, 
and after our likeness. Let them, we've looked at this before, let them, not let him. God did not give dominion to man over the woman. Somebody say, you are my wife. She listen to me. You must obey everything that I said. I'm the Lord of the manor. Whatever I say goes. You know, that was never the plan of God. All of that eventually resulted because of the fall. God gave dominion to what? To them, not to him. Then how am I going to rule over her? You are not supposed to rule over her. You're supposed to be partners in progress and partners in destiny. Hello. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. We've looked at the word dominion before. Get all this message, especially fulfilling kingdom mandate. Go and listen to them over again. Over the fish of the sea. Over the birds of the air. Over the cattle. Over all the earth. Over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Look at it. God gave dominion to man over creation. 26. This, you are looking at the very beginning of creation, when man was created. He said, let us, let us make man in our image. That is, the man that is walking in his image, carrying his image, will exercise dominion over his creation. 27. Then, so God created man in his own image. I don't have time, I've looked at that before. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 20, then God blessed them. Why are you looking for what is not lost? Amen. Many times, oh, I want God to bless me. And you are pursuing blessing. You are, you are on the wrong lane. When you pursue God, it will cause blessing to follow you. It will cause blessing to become your experience. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then God, what? Bless them. And God said, what? God said to them, be word, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea. Can you see? God bless them. The moment this man was created, taking his place under God, under heaven, God, God released his blessing over And what is blessing? Blessing is not, uh, look at it, it didn't, uh, God blessed them. The blessing is different from blessings. Blessings are as a result of the blessing at work in your life. They are not the same thing. The, bless, the, the blessing is divine empowerment to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it and have dominion. That's the blessing. Blessings are what? What follows when the blessing is at work in your life. And those are the things that we pursue. Why do you want to major in minor and minor in major? When you major, when you major in major, what, what will happen? Then blessings will follow you. Stop majoring in minor and then minoring in major, but major in major. What does, what does that mean? You pursue God and it will cause blessings to follow you. The Bible says, uh, seek first the kingdom and all its righteousness and what? And all other things will be added unto you. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and what? 
add no sorrow to it. Then God blessed them. That was, the, that was his plan for man. That was God's mission statement to man. Not only that, in Genesis chapter 2, from verse number 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15. Or maybe before we look at that, he even commented after he created man. He now said in verse 31 of Genesis 1.31. Genesis 1.31. What does it say? In verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was what? It was very good, not just good. Then God saw everything, including man, including the works of his son, including creation that he had made, and indeed it was very good. There was no COVID-19 there. Hello. There was no nobody, there was no, there was no, there was <laughs> there was no sickness there. There was no disease there. There was no lack there. Nobody was committing murder there. No, everything was what? They didn't need policemen there. There was no police station opened all over the whole place. You will see there. Everything was good. So the evening and the morning were what? The sixth day. The evening and the morning. Oh, my, my, my. I pray that you start to, you start to operate uh, with understanding in what is called the finished work. Uh, you know, look at it. The evening and the morning were the sixth day. Today, we will say the morning and the evening. The Bible says the evening and the morning. They are not just place of, just placing words. No, they're deliberately put there because of God's divine intention, purpose, and plans. That you are to operate not from the finished work. God will never start anything with, without work, first of all, finishing it. But what, when God gives you an instruction and says, do this for me, it's because he has already concluded it. Then what you need to find out is what exactly has he concluded and what are the ways he, will, he wants you to get to the place or to conclude what he has already concluded. And um, anytime God gives you, you are thinking, oh, am I going to do it? Oh, it's so big. Is that? No, no, no. Find out from him. What is it that is finished? What is it that he has concluded? And the moment you know that, then you start to follow instructions to get to the place called well, finish. It is the best way to live because what was determined before time cannot be frustrated in time. That is why his, his, his commands and his laws and his counsel are not subject to time. They are not subject to time. The evening and the morning were the sixth day. Then Genesis 2 from verse 15. Genesis 2 from verse 15. What does it say? Then the Lord took this man that he has created and made in his own image and put him where? Where did he put him? In the garden of Eden to turn and to keep it. I told us earlier that what began in the garden eventually was what? Concluded in the garden. Garden of Eden. The word Eden is a very interesting word. In Hebrew and Aramaic, uh, many times we're focused on the physical garden of Eden. And that's, okay, and that's good. But we must start to see beyond. Because there was a physical garden of Eden. But beyond that, there was something that God was doing with this man. Because that word primarily was not just referring to a, part, to a location. The word is referring to what? Number one, order. Number two, a delightful spot on the earth where for a moment God was interacting with his man. Where 
heaven and earth were having consistent and constant interaction. It's called transacting in the spirit. I'll repeat, a place where there was what? A place of divine order. Number two, a delightful spot. Number three, a place of interaction between heaven and earth. Number four, or five, you know, depending on what are you're keeping in, a place of divine presence. So once a day, God will come down to interact with this man. The man he loves so much, for God so loved the world. The man he created, he will interact with him. Verse number 16. Verse 16. And the Lord now commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall what? Surely die. Now let's go to verse Genesis chapter 3 from verse number 1. Genesis chapter 3 from verse number 1. It reads, and I quote, now the serpent, somebody showed up. It's called what? The serpent. Or, if, or to be more direct, Satan showed up. Now the serpent was more cunning. One translation says, and the serpent was more subtle. It was very cunning. It was very subtle than any other beast in the field. Nobody will follow Satan if he will appear with two horns. Nobody will listen to him. But he doesn't appear like that. He comes in a very subtle way, making suggestions, dropping suggestions into your mind. And without training, without understanding, you just say, wow, yes, so and so and so, look at this. And then you start to act on those suggestions. You're being remotely controlled, remotely controlled. Praise God. He came again. Remember, everything was very good. And the man had been placed in the, in the garden, a place of divine order. A delightful spot that was having interaction with heaven. He had access to heaven's resources. There was no lack in the garden. There was no problem in the garden. And the enemy showed up. Number one, faith inhibitor. The very first time that someone showed up to start to inhibit. Don't forget how I described the word to restrain, to hinder, to check the progress of, to repress. Everything was very good. Everything was going on very well. Everything was perfect. And then this faith inhibitor showed up. Showed up to repress, to suppress, to hinder the progress this man was making with his creator. And the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Look at it, the power of suggestion. The power of suggestion. He would try to start to suggest things to you. You wouldn't see him because you don't, it's not just a physical, you may see, uh, and that is why you need to be very careful. Uh, the counsel that you listen to. Uh, people can come and give good counsel, or they might say this, or might say that. Be very careful. It's important who exactly is speaking through the person. And the woman said to the serpent, the woman thought he was dealing with the serpent. 
He didn't know he was dealing with Satan, who has come in a very cunning way. We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, and then the, and, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse number four. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw, saw, she forgot the word, the word of the Lord. She forgot the counsel of heaven. She forgot the instructions that God gave them. She forgot the commandments that heaven has laid out with clarity before them. For she forgot, and she was the one saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes, and it was desirable to make one wise. She took of its food and ate, and she gave it to her husband with her, and they also were ate. What fruit did she eat from? The fruit of what? Knowledge of good and evil. God said there were three trees in the garden. I've taught us that before. Tree of life, the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil, and the trees that with pleasant fruits that were available for them to eat. And God said, you can eat of these ones with fruits and everything, but this one, don't touch it. Don't touch the knowledge. God reserved that for himself. What exactly does that mean? The word knowledge, why did God reserve it to himself? The word knowledge means what? To have information. To be able to decide. To be able to discriminate. So when God reserved that tree of knowledge of good and evil, he was saying to man, you can eat of all of this. You will enjoy my provisions, but leave to me the right of choice. I will be the one to decide for you. I will be the one to decide for you. I will be the one to lead you and to guide you. So that you are walking in word. You are walking in proper knowledge. Not just having natural information. So when man ate of that, what did man do? Man not only disobeyed God, man changed God. Suddenly, the one who had called him, who created him, who said, Leave to me to decide. I will lead you in the way you ought to go. I know the end from the beginning. Do you want to get married? I will show you who to marry. Do you want to take that step? I will lead you and I will guide you. You may not be able to see tomorrow, but I know the end. Remember, I created the end even from the very beginning. And therefore, I declared the end from the beginning. So you just rely on me or follow me. Trust in me with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me. I will direct your path. I will guide you. But the moment man disobeyed, man was cut off from divine direction, from divine guidance, from divine knowledge. Man was now reduced to the level of information. That is not led by what, what, what is seen in the natural eyes. The sense of 
sight, smell, taste, and touch, and the rest of it. So man could not deal with things ahead because the knowledge of that was supernaturally taken away. Man changed God, and therefore man became lost. To put it in a very simple way, in the wilderness, roaming wild. The first indicator to Satan. Satan, faith inhibitor. No wonder Peter now wrote this. Let's go to First Peter chapter number 5. First Peter chapter number 5. First Peter chapter number 5. From verse number 8. First Peter chapter 5. From verse number 8. He now says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, the word devil means adversary. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse number nine. Resist him, what? We can put it this way. Resist him, contending, what? Earnestly for the faith. Be steadfast in faith. Be steady. Be steady in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resisting being steadfast in the faith. Oh yes, verse 10 is said, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered. Meaning that when you are steadfast, when you are steady, when you do not allow him to push you back, when you did not allow him to walk, to hinder the progress that God wants you to make. When you did not allow him to stop you in your tracks. Well, he said, after you have suffered the while, we will walk perfect. And what again? Establish. And what again? Strengthen and settle you. Amen. Because your adversary, the devil, the enemy is an adversary. Satan is an adversary, is the number one inhibitor. And he now says again, let me read it to you from the TPT. Be well advanced. Be well balanced. TPT, be well balanced. And always alert. Can you see that? Always on the alert. You can't afford to sleep on duty. Always be at alert. Because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly he roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour take a decisive stand against him and resist him every resist his every attack with strong vigorous faith for you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kind of troubles that you endured. He said, take a decisive stand against him. Resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. Amen. Let me read it to you from the Message Bible. Message Bible. I like to read my Bible like that. Uh, you know, when I study the word, I check various translations. They give me a total picture of what exactly the word of God is saying. There. Let me read it to you from the Message Bible. It said, keep a cool head. Hello. Keep what? 
a cool head. Be Mr. Cool. You know, keep a cool head. Stay alert. This word is so, stay alert. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you. What? Napping or sleeping on duty. Verse number nine. Keep your guard up. You are not the only ones plunged into these hard times. Don't believe a lie that says that every other person is enjoying. You are the only one going through issues. No. It's the same with everyone. We're living in a fallen world. Since that thing happened in the garden and the enemy gained entrance and became God of this world, he's been doing three things. Stealing, killing, and destroying. It's the same with Christians all, all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. Keep a firm grip. Contend for it. Oh, verse number 10. Is somebody reading with me? Verse number 10. This suffering won't last what? I said, this suffering won't last what? <laughs> this suffering won't last forever. Amen. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ's eternal and glorious plans they are will have you put together and on your feet for not two steps forward, three steps backward. Not four steps forward, eight steps backward. Will have you put together and on your feet for good. When I was reading this, I remember the documentary I watched some times ago about, about lions. And in that documentary, they were showing how lions pursue and kill their prey. They showed a great horde of, of, of antelopes and all manners of, of, of animals. And there were, you know, large number of them, probably thousands of them. And these lions, there must be about three or four of them. They were now, they were, they were watching the horde. They were watching how they were moving. They were observing them. They were, they were moving gently and watching. Watching. What were they watching? What were they looking for? They, they were looking for the weakest one. Maybe one that is already wounded. Maybe as a result of their walk that day, that particular animal has hit the, the, the leg or someone has been wounded. They're looking for the one that, that whose, whose progress is not what. Is, is not going as fast as the others. They were watching for the one that is being wounded. They're watching for that one. And the moment they locate that one, it's like a signal that is sent to all the other, the other members of the, you know, of, the, of the clan. And suddenly they set out, and the entire herd will take off running. They're not looking for everyone. They're looking for the weakest, they're looking for the wounded. They're looking for the weakest link. Because the strongest chain will break at its weakest point. And that weak one cannot run as fast as the others. They are, and until they're able to just grab and they tear and they eat and they have a good meal. Big lesson. Did you notice or as I noticed then, that they were not running after the whole, what? The whole herd. 
They were not pursuing every word. Because how can you pursue thousands and thousands? No. They, can't, they, they were not bothered. They, they, they were looking for the wounded one. Same thing. Your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He's looking for the wounded. He's looking for the one that is wounded. How do you know the one that is wounded? Is it the one that is carrying a wound in the leg? No, 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 no. Remember, he's a spirit. He's not natural. He's looking for the one that is already what? Offended. The one that will start to stumble. And offense is a major, major challenge in the body. He's looking for the one living in sin. Whose life is out of order. He's looking for the one who is going about and saying, look, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. They already offended. Because they offended their word, they have become wounded. The enemy is trying to identify which one. And then they will go for the jugular. They go for the jugular. They go for the jugular. Be very careful of offense. Be very careful of sin. Because these things will cause you to fall short. Fall short. Many times, committed believers avoid sin. But there's a way, there's a place that we are not, we don't guard enough. It's called offense. It's called offense. And the enemy is looking for that. Because somebody said this. Because somebody did this. And then you, you, you become offended. And when you see the person, you know, anger rises up. And you say, you are going straight. Because of that person, you turn like this. You say, I don't want to see the person. You know what is happening? That person is actually started to control your life. You have handed over control because of offense. And not only that, you eventually become a target for the enemy. Offense. I will end by taking us to Psalm 119, verse number 165. 119. Psalm 1, verse 165. Thank you. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing causes them toward to stumble. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing causes them to stumble. Can you give it to me in KJV, please? KJV. Give it to me in KJV. KJV. King James Version, great peace are those who love, great peace have they which love thy law. Great peace have they which what? Love thy law. And look at it, what is there? Nothing shall what? Nothing shall what? Nothing shall offend them. Because offend will cause them to stumble. Offense will turn them from being someone who prays to someone who has become what? A prey. Offense will cause them to become a target of the evil one. And then suddenly will be unloading all the things that he does 
He steals, remember? Destroys all manners of things. Brings luck, opens the door, sickness, this, all manners of things. Offense will cause them to stumble. Identify this number one faith inhibitor and don't let him inhibit your faith. Oh, I have a song in my heart. Oh, let the saints go marching in. Oh, let the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in the number when the saints go marching in. They're on their feet. They have not stumbled. They've not been pulled aside. They've not become a prey for the enemy. The serpent or the Satan, the roaring lion has not grabbed them and torn, dismantled, destroyed. He has not done that. But they're still on their feet, marching on to march in. Let us pray. Let us pray. I want you to pray this morning. Pray for yourself. Is there anyone that you need to forgive and to release? Offense is a major, major, major opening that the enemy uses in attacking the church. Is there anyone who probably, or maybe you even need to forgive yourself. Because sometimes we refuse to forgive ourselves. Oh, pastor, you don't know what he did. You don't know what she did. That's true. I may not know what he did, what she did. But God knows. And the one who knows said, release. The one who knows said, forgive. So that you will not stumble. So that you will not be disqualified from those that will experience the difference between night and day. So that you will not become a prey of the evil one. God has been so merciful. He's been shielding you. He's been protecting you until a day like this. That you hear this mercy again to release him. To release her. God is able to make it up for you. And that is what I'll be looking at. In fact, there's a clear word. He just reminded me of the word he's given to us for next year. Which I'm reserving for December 31st watch night. He said I'm able to, yes. Whatever has happened. Whatever has happened, your future is in his hands and is able to make it up. You release the person so that you are not grounded. It's time for you to rise up like the eagle. Mount up your wings like the eagles. Oh, <clears throat> Mount up your wings like the eagles so that you will run and you will not be weary. You will walk and you will not faint. But if you are offended, you'll be grounded. If you are offended, you'll not be anointed. You've given Satan a field day to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Let it go. Let it go. Faith 
inhibitors, identify faith inhibitors. He walks in a very cunning way. Very cunning, very subtle, so that he will always take advantage of the ignorant, take advantage of many. But you do not lack knowledge today, for my people perish for lack of knowledge. The word of God has come to you, bringing knowledge to you, so that you are careful, careful that the enemy will not take advantage of you. Because it's time to take a leap. It's time to make the desired progress. It's time to run in a way that you will not be tired and walk in a way that you will not faint. It's time. It's time. Now is the time. When the now season for the now church, but it's important we identify these faith inhibitors whose plan is to ensure that we are impeded in our progress. We are stopped on the tracks. We are repressed, we are hindered, but no more. I say no more. I say no more. Father, I pray for as many as I say, Lord, I've released, I've let go. Thank you so much, O oh Lord my God, that come and walk in their situation. Lord, come. Step in. Turn around. Heal. Save and deliver. And you're just saying to me that if you can just forgive, you see that sickness, just see the power of it broken. Suddenly you say, wait a minute, that thing is gone. I'm not feeling it. I'm not, I'm not feeling it again. Because the moment you forgive, you let go of this place where Satan has been using to step in and harass and steal and oppress. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the effects of it. I don't even need to pray for you. You just forgive. You see the enemy losing his grip and power in your life and over your finances. Thank you, wonderful Savior, for what you have done for your people this morning. We give you glory, Lord. We honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and everybody said, Amen.